Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News. Episode 179 on Now You Know. Brought to you, as always, by our amazing Patreon patrons. We can't do this show without them, and they get some pretty great perks as well. So head over to patreon.com and check it out. And we're brought to you by our friends at Nouveau Monde Graphite Mine. We've got an interview with Nicholas Tremblay from Nouveau Monde Graphite coming up in this episode. We want to partner up with the EV industry to supply Archicast Graphite to you guys so you can continue the electric revolution. And as Amazon Associates, we earn from qualifying purchases. The link is down below in the show notes. And we're brought to you by ecoware.us. Start positive conversations with carbon negative products. And check out these new t-shirts. Can you tell that we've been to Texas recently? Um, yeah, we uh, saw enough. I don't know what the team is. Long, the Longhorns? Texas the, Longhorns? The Rangers? Or the Texans? The Texans. Uh, and we were like, that would make a great Tesla Bulls logo. Yeah. And also, when we got home from Austin, we were like, oh, Elon's thinking about putting a Gigafactory there. So, Giga. Or if you're just bullish on Tesla... You get the the Tesla bullish tea, huh? Yeah. Keep in mind that we carbon offset the manufacturer, shipping, and life cycle of your purchase, and we plant a tree for every order. Help support us now and now you know by going to ecoware.us. And Jesse and I are going to be going down to Savannah, Georgia next week. Uh, and if you'd like to help us while we're there shooting some episodes, go to our Google form. The link is down below, and you might be able to help us out. So we were just recently in Texas, and apparently Elon was also in Austin. So you think that's why he tweeted out uh, Giga Texas? Uh, yeah, so take a look at this tweet here. This was a poll that uh, Elon put out. He just said two words, Giga Texas. And that is that is one way to excite an entire state. Or entire nation. I know, that's true. So uh, Giga Texas, people uh, liked it. So apparently Elon's going to do it. Is that how we... Uh, that's how we do things. That's how we do things now? Yeah, I did a little digging and I found out that Texas is actually one of the bigger manufacturing states in the U.S. I think it's about number 10. And it's got an output of $238 billion in manufacturing. It's uh, 13% of its gross state product comes from manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And there's 17,500 manufacturing firms in Texas with almost a million manufacturing employees. 7% of the non-farm state employment. And the average annual salary for manufacturing employees is $47,800. So this could be a perfectly good fit for another gigafactory, which would provide probably around 10,000 jobs even before it's fully built out. Right. Now, this is assuming that it's going to look like Gigafactory 1, and it's going to be producing similar things like batteries. Yeah. I mean, do you think that this is where they would be making the Cybertruck? I think so. And, and that makes me question whether it's going to be the same as uh, Gigafactory 1, because Gigafactory 1 is basically just making batteries and drivetrains. Fremont Factory makes all the cars at this point. Lathrop is the mystery facility that we don't know. Yeah, you keep apparently, hoping that that's going to be a factory. Apparently it's uh, just a distribution center, I'm but, I'm not, but I'm not convinced that it's not some kind of Black Mesa uh, testing facility, you know, for Elon. I don't know. 
I think this Gigafactory would be making Cybertruck, batteries, powertrains, and probably autonomous hardware because Austin is a tech center and it's uh, well known for making chips and stuff. So maybe that's where they would base it. I think that they would probably be putting this Gigafactory, if it goes in Texas, probably somewhere in this triangle here between Austin, San Antonio, and Houston. Right. I mean, you want to be near near-ish at least to one city to provide a lot of different workers um and then you also want to be near the railroads yeah take a look at this map here i mean there's a good railway system on all three of these cities because you need to get your car across the country right and the interesting thing here is if it's producing just cyber truck there's not going to be too much shipping overseas that needs to happen because True. uh pickup trucks are really for whatever reason, most popular in the in North America, not so popular in Europe. You guys just hate pickup trucks. I don't blame you. Well, the roads are smaller, um, and they use trailers on their cars, which actually is a much smarter idea. Right. Why Why have a bed that you're driving around 90% of the time not using it? Not to say that you can't. That's a whole other, other discussion. But anyway. But, you know, I do want to bring up that stainless steel, uh, which is the Cybertruck, how it's going to be made, mm. uh, that came from Starship, right? B the building of Starship, which is made in Texas at Boca Chica. Right. Um, and so if they did put in the Gigafactory somewhere near-ish to Boca Chica, you might be able to use the same manufacturing process that you're using on Starship uh, to make the stainless steel for Cybertruck. And you mentioned maybe the cutoffs from Starship could be used in the Cybertruck. Yeah, you know, like... Um I don't know why I remember the uh, Burlington Teddy Bear Factory uh -huh. that we went to at some point. Yeah, was it Burlington? Yeah, Burlington, Vermont. Yeah, yeah. They would take all the fabric that wasn't going to get like turned into teddy bears, and they'd cut out a little teddy bear shape, and then that would be their free giveaway at the tour of the. <laughs> Maybe that's what they'll do. Maybe. But I mean, so you get like stainless steel guitar picks at the factory tour. Well, no, I mean it's to make the cyber like it's a much bigger scale. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's probably unrealistic to assume that but maybe if they're you know if you're producing the stainless steel there why ship it further i don't know it's interesting and and then you know what what if they're not making the cybertruck there what if this is just a battery and drivetrain uh facility or just like model y you know the truck would make sense the cybertruck would make sense and especially in texas it's a very uh truck happy state as right. we have just <laughs> experienced and one of the problems that tesla is having with texas currently is um and has for a while is that the dealers association in texas have gotten their hooks into the legislature and basically prevented tesla from selling direct to consumers in texas yeah i mean they can do service and repairs there but they can't sell them there i think this would be a deal breaker i think that if uh, tesla wants to get into texas they're gonna have to make some changes they're also probably gonna have to uh, offer them something some of these cities are gonna have to offer some tax breaks or some financing or something to right. get to lure them in because if your city lures in this gigafactory you're gonna get a lot of high-paying jobs it's true, and I think it's a smart strategy for, for Elon to employ here. I mean, it, it pretty much worked in China. He, he said the right things, and he got uh, what he wanted in China. I think he can do the same thing in Texas. Do you think when they open the factory, he's going to have to do like a rodeo dance or something? Line I mean, dancing? We already know that he wears a black cowboy hat. Yeah. I think that says most of it. I mean, Kimball's going to be right at home. Exactly. Speaking of gigafactories in Shanghai, the Shanghai Gigafactory is going to reopen February 10th. It's been closed since January 29th due to the coronavirus. Now, coronavirus has spread from Wuhan, China, to almost 35,000 people worldwide with over 700 deaths, though nearly 2,400 people have recovered from the infection. So luckily, it sounds like this hasn't shut down the factory for too long. It's been about a week and a half. Mm -hmm. So the Shanghai government has said they're going to help Tesla and other companies to reopen. I don't know what that means. Maybe that just means they're going to help them 
them with any you know bureaucratic paperwork or something. Right. But let's talk about this in terms of uh, first quarter. First quarter is historically a very difficult quarter to sell cars because yep. it's uh, January, February, March. Uh, when you don't really want to go out of the house because it's cold in North America. Although in China, I don't know if that's true. I would love to hear from Chinese viewers. Um, is it traditionally a bad time of year to buy a car in China? Right. Something that we're going to have to look into. But the question in my mind is they're going to be selling less cars because their factory in China was shut down uh, for about a week and a half. Do you think that this is going to affect the stock price or do you think that everyone's going to be like, it was a it was I, a big emergency. I think they're going to get a pass. I mean, every company that we've been hearing from is having problems with suppliers from China. And one of the things that I think actually Tesla's going to do well with is that right now in China, they've only got about 20% of their parts coming from local suppliers, hmm. most uh, because they haven't really fully ramped up in China yet. And so that's good news because if, if most of their suppliers had been local in China, well, those factories have also been shut down many places. So... Hopefully, they'll be able to ramp back up pretty quickly and uh, get Q1 numbers looking pretty good. So we've had an updated price target from ARK Invest. Uh, we've been hearing for a long time that their high number was $4,000 uh, for the Tesla stock price. And now they've released some new research showing that their new bullish number is expected to be $7,000 in 2024. Right. So let's talk about this for a second. So I like that they do a 2024 price target. They're not talking about next quarter. They're not talking about next month. They're talking further down the line because it's really hard to predict what's going to be happening in a month or in a quarter or even in a year because there is all sorts of kind of smaller local problems that can throw things one way or another. But when we're talking about four or five years out, um, things tend to stabilize. Things tend to, uh, you tend to see the trends of things a little bit better. All right, so what do we got here? I really like what ARC did. They broke it out into a bunch of different uh, cases. And we're going to talk about all those different cases here. Oh, so bear number zero. Uh, the bear case is $1,500 price target. Oh, well, that's their bearish number? So yeah, that is their bear case, and we can get into that uh, a little bit later. Their bull case, $15,000 a share. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about stock price. We are not talking about, uh, you know, market cap. We're talking about the price of the stock, which currently is sitting somewhere around 700-ish. All right. So, let's get into this chart. It was hard for me to understand it. Can you explain this thing? So, this is kind of a, a probability chart. So, right in the middle, we have their median target which is $2,700 a share. So then if you look to the right, um, you're seeing a a bull case scenario where once you get to about 30%, they're saying you know they, that uh, there's an autonomous scenario okay. that basically Tesla has achieved autonomy. Oh, wait, so you're saying that the $2,700 price target doesn't even price in autonomy. Right. The $2,700 price target is like their median. So basically if they can't pull off autonomy... Right, then it's twenty seven hundred. Okay. Their expected value is uh, seven thousand. Okay, which is a little confusing because it's off from their median. Okay, um, and then you can look down to their bear case, and you can see that it's fifteen hundred. So you can kind of get the the differences in price cases, and you can see basically that there's a jump if they hit autonomy. That they think that that's really going to send the stock price uh, soaring if they can hit autonomy. But I'm a little confused because it says that they're only 30% likely to hit autonomy, according to ARC. Yeah, so then they're – I mean, ARC does a great job of breaking down their, their different ideas. So you can look here at this chart, and you can see on the high end and the low end of different uh, key figures. So gross margins, capital efficiency, and autonomous capability. And each of those has its own uh, likelihood or unlikelihood. So you can – you know. 
you can look at the math yourself. I love this chart because it really does break it down. I mean, the golden goose, if everything goes right, which they say has a 12% chance of happening, then it's a $22,000 price target per share. Um, And then, like you said, you can kind of go down in like the black swan. If everything goes wrong, uh, for one reason or another, Tesla goes bankrupt, obviously a zero price target. But you can look anywhere in between and find out the probability of what they think could happen. So So you can see that they've outlined that there are two outcomes that they see as being equally likely. One is the high-functioning EV company. Mm -hmm. So that means that their factories are doing very well and that their their gross margins have have, increased. exceeded expectations. Okay, and that's a $3,400 price target. Right. And then there is at least there's rights law. So that means that they have lowered the cost of producing their Model 3. Um, they can't build factories efficiently, which means that they no new factories, essentially, or, or that they've done a bad job, you know, producing out of them. And they don't have any autonomous network, which to me is is a pretty bearish assumption. Yeah. And if you take a look at that, it's still a $2,500 price target. So to me, more three or four times what we are at today. Right. From what we're seeing so far, like with the Chinese uh, Gigafactory, it points a little bit closer to the high-functioning EV company. Now, obviously, their gross margins could be worse, and then you could, you know, you just look down the list. If you think, and then we haven't even hit autonomy. So you can see that this upper band, the stuff above high-functioning EV company, um, that's the autonomy case. And so anything that happens with autonomy, we're talking at least $15,000 price target. And I just want to give a little plug here for our Patreon bonus story where we're going to be showing an interview uh, with Lex Friedman interviewing Jim Keller, who used to be Tesla's head of chip manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to see this because, uh, well, we explained that the there's a good probability of them getting to autonomy. Right. All right, so what's this uh, What's this chart showing? So this is just another breakdown of their bull and bear case. So you can kind of, you know, read through it here. You'll see that the average selling price in the bull case drops down to $36,000, which would mean that they are fulfilling a completely different market than they are now. Um, right now, $35,000 is their cheapest car, um, but they're going to be basically saying that the average sales price is going to be 36000 which means that they're going to be producing some something that is cheaper. Um, which obviously we haven't gotten any details about yet. This chart's really interesting to me. It's not part of the Tesla deck, but it's part of their um, innovation deck. Mm -hmm. And it talks about Moore's Law. Now, what is Moore's Law? Moore's Law states that hardware will improve, uh, it'll double in, in, in speed every two years. And what we've been noticing as we're going along and approaching, uh, some limits of, of physics, Uh, with chips is that we're getting to the point where Moore's law is no longer true. And instead we're seeing growth in other areas in especially neural networks. Yeah. And so that is just taking off. The growth there is five times the rate of Moore's law. And this last chart is uh, hilarious to us because the Energy Industry Administration always does this with their outlooks. They, um, well, look at this chart on the left here. This is historically what they've thought is going to happen in the future. And it's usually just like, oh, this grew and then we'll just flatline it over. Right. And you can see year after year, they basically do the same thing or they just kind of draw a linear line. And you see that their most recent one, they basically, they take it, they go up and then they bend it over and just flatline it. And then they go, maybe after that, there's going to be growth. Compare this with ARC's forecast and you see that EV growth explodes exponentially, um, which tends to make the most sense. Most times when there's a new adoption of a new technology, uh, you don't have this... What what kind, what line is that? How that's not how this works, that's not an adoption right? That's not what we did with horses. You know, there's not just lots of horses clopping down the street. It changed 
like that. So New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio signed an executive order last week for all of New York City's 20,000 plus municipal fleet vehicles to be electric by 2040. That's everything from garbage trucks and police cars to ambulances and buses. Now, de Blasio also signed another executive order to immediately stop the installation of any new fossil fuel infrastructure. And the question I have is not clear here in his executive order if hybrids and plug-in hybrids are allowed under his plan. Uh, he doesn't really answer that question. We know he drives a plug-in hybrid to work. It's a plug-in hybrid minivan. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe he's kind of partial to them. I don't know. J just a reminder, plug-in hybrid means you're still using gasoline for some of your trip. Now, when we're fully charged live in Austin, Texas, we got to interview Nouveau Mon Graphite's Nicholas Tremblay. So I am here at the Nouveau Monde booth at Fully Charged Live with Nick uh, from Nouveau Monde. And uh, we're gonna talk about graphite a little bit. Um, something that I've dealt a lot with, again, in pencils um, and in my EV, but not something that I see too often in my EV. Um, can we, I, I'm so interested in these little, uh, these little jars we have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what you're seeing here actually is the uh, first product as, uh, after crushing the rocks and uh, running the whole thing mm -hmm. through ball mills and uh, polishing mills and all of that stuff, floating the graphite on top of water with uh, reagent, sorting the flakes, drying up the whole thing, you end up with flakes, which uh, they have different values, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean. If they are, the bigger they are, the higher purity you get, the more uh, money in the traditional markets. So the bigger the flakes, so is that sort of, are they crystalline? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, okay, so, the, so crystals are pure, yeah. and so the bigger the flakes, then yeah. you... This is where you get the most money in the ah, traditional markets. So I see. What sets us apart as a company um, Nouveau Monde Graphite is that we are located here in North America, yep. uh, in the southern Quebec, where we have plenty of hydroelectricity, and that stuff is obviously no emission. It's considered renewable, so we've got that, and in the location, it's a mining-friendly, friendly jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. As opposed to uh, currently in North America and Europe, there is no supply of uh, anode material. It's yeah. all coming from Asia. It's coming mostly from China. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, Tesla and the other battery makers in North America and Europe obviously need to have local sources. Uh, there is a, uh, you know, a secretive supply. Uh, there is also an issue with the way that the Chinese are doing their uh, graphite anode material is not sustainable. Okay. Um, they use HF acid. I'm not sure if you're familiar oh, with that's, HF acid. Oh, you do not want to even stuff. look at that stuff. Exactly. Absolutely. And oh, wow. they don't process the stuff properly. They dump it into the environment. And I would, I would say to anyone, I mean, if you're interested in, in these issues of sustainability, mm -hmm. um, you can look up, uh, uh, you know, an in, uh, investigative report that the Washington Post have done uh, back in 2016. Uh, you simply Google uh, Washington Post graphite and you end up on a very good report that tells you all of these uh, uh, problems that they have with the, the mining of graphite and the processing of the graphite in China. In Montreal, yeah. you have a wonderful hydroelectric power. Yeah. And so you're actually going to be using that. You're, are you going to be having you know, your typical diesel mining trucks and stuff like that? So you're going to do... That's not the plan. What's the plan? Yeah, the plan is really to create the first open pit all-electric mine in the world. So the trucks are going to be electric? Yeah, that's the plan. Everything there Everything is going to be... Everything will be electric. So yeah. you're, I, just, I love that because you're mining the graphite that is going to go into electric cars yeah. using electric vehicles. Yeah. And 
not only just electric, but you're running it on the hydropower in yeah, Montreal. So it's so it's the it's such a clean thing. That is what I'm so excited yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, right, Nick. Yeah, that was quite, such quite a pleasure. Lovely learning about this stuff, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm excited to, you know. I'm not going to see them in my cars, but that they will be in the future. It was so cool. I mean, I've seen graphite before, but it was always, always, for some reason, in the form of pencil lead. Always. So it was cool to see the actual flakes and the stuff that's going to be going into batteries, like, like you know, after they grind it up into this very fine powder that's then going to, you know, go through the processes to be turned into lithium-ion batteries. Now, if you're watching this and you're like, why are you guys talking about graphite? You should check out our video that we did on graphite and how it works in an EV. So representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Andy Levin introduced the Electric Vehicle Freedom Act last week in the U.S. House of Representatives, which would build an extensive network of EV chargers along the nation's highways within five years by providing federal grants to businesses and local and state governments to build DC fast chargers. AOC said we're trying to actually advance and improve our fleets and our vehicles, which means that we have to go electric. And the way we do this is with public infrastructure. Now, uh, this is just a proposed bill in the House. It still has to be voted on by the House, the Senate, and the President. Um, but it's an interesting bill. And what's interesting about it is it would create a two-year study by a whole bunch of groups to come up with a plan, and then three years to implement that study and put out the fast chargers needed. Um, I would suggest that this bill be changed slightly because there's about 15 groups that are going to be part of the planning, and none of those groups that I could find had anything to do with EV drivers. So I think that we should add to the list uh, some kind of at-large EV driving group and put their representatives in this panel because when they're trying to figure things out, a lot of the people on this panel probably will have never driven an EV before. And so it's very easy to be sold on an idea that actually doesn't work in practice. Right. One of the groups that is supposed to be present are environmental groups, and that's great. Environmental groups should be there. And there probably will be people who know a lot about um, EVs. It'd be good to actually have some real EV groups with real EV drivers uh, driving all kinds of EVs from, you know, Teslas to Bolts to Leafs to e-trons to Jaguar i all of them, the whole gambit, like because each of the different cars have different charging rates and specs and chargers. And so it would be good to have those voices present when the plan is getting drawn up. Um, but I see this bill as, as a pretty positive thing. Uh, a lot of people are worried that you're going to be giving public money to private enterprise to install chargers um, and that that might lead to an Ionity style uh, price hike at some point. And while I agree that that sucks, it's still better to have the chargers, I would right. argue. And that's why we need the EV driver representatives on this panel so that we are represented. It's just weird to me to have a bill that represented all these other groups. I mean, they, they put, you know, labor unions and they put uh, technology manufacturers, but it's like, hey, we're the ones driving the cars. And part of the plan could be to limit the price of charging to a reasonable rate, uh, depending on, you know, uh, you could do it per state. I mean, kind of following in Tesla's footsteps to be like, okay, it shouldn't be much more than the price of electricity in each state. Right. It's a pretty fair system because if you're not part of Ionity's, you know, special club, you're paying through the nose uh, for charging access. So president of Starlink, Gwyn Shotwell, said last Thursday at a private investor event hosted by J.P. Morgan Chase and company in Miami. Right now, we are a private company, but Starlink is the right kind of business that we can go ahead and take public. That particular piece is an element of the business that we are likely to spin out and go public. Go public? That sounds like an IPO for 
Starlink? So she's talking to a big bank about going public. That means in probably a very short amount of time, there might be an IPO for Starlink. So, you know, go sell your record collection. I know. We've gotten so (laughs) many emails from people saying, how can I get into SpaceX, Starlink, Boring Company? Well, if they do an IPO, that's an initial public offering, that means that they'll be offering their stock to the public and you can get in on buying stock in the company. Right. It's really exciting if they spin it off because Starlink, for those of you who don't know, internet from satellite everywhere on earth and so potential customer base everybody now speaking of starlink australia's communication and media authority the acma has granted starlink permission to become part of the foreign space objects determination the fsod which is a list of companies that may use australian airspace that's kind of the first step in getting starlink into australia now why is australia an important potential market for starlink Um, Because it is very big, it is not very populated, um, and therefore infrastructure in Australia can vary from good to what is the internet. Um, And so being able to get internet from the sky in Australia could be fantastic. I just want to talk about the fact that Starlink opens the possibilities for new businesses to go into places that probably were never considered before. Because there are many places in the world where you can get power, right? Solar panels and wind and batteries. Um, And you can get water out of the ground. But internet is not so easy. You usually have to have cables. So if you're hundreds of miles from nowhere, then you're just stuck. Whereas with Starlink, now you could potentially do that. Right. And not only, you know, like full scale businesses, but also people who want to uh, do something on the Internet and not be tied down to any particular place because they I'm just saying. Vlogs from the road would be a whole lot easier instead of us, you know, having to book a hotel. You go into the hotel and we're like, oh, the upload speed is three megabits per second. Just so you know, recording those short segments from our news piece last week in Austin, Texas, it took six, seven hours of upload time yeah. because we're it's like, you know, trying to put an Olympic-sized swimming pool through a drinking straw. Exactly. Having high bandwidth internet anywhere in the world would be huge. So we've got some exclusive footage from our friend John Louis in South Africa. Um, This is footage of Volkswagen's ID4 driving in South Africa. Wait, okay. I think this car is being made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So what's it doing in South Africa? Well, many manufacturers test in Johannesburg due to the high altitude. It's at nearly 6,000 feet and high temperatures of more than 85 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, interesting. Okay, so so let's refresh our memories here. The ID4 is going to be the second all-electric model for VW on their MEB platform. Uh, The ID3 is the compact model. The ID4 is the crossover SUV model that's being made in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And all we know so far is that it's supposed to have fast charging, so around 150 kilowatts, and that's about it. And just in case you don't think that that's the ID4, um, because there are, you know, exhaust stickers on the back, and it's very pretty well camouflaged. Um, Just take a look at the car in front of it. It's an ID3. Oh, interesting. So just in case you were like, I don't believe this, uh, you know, there's a little, there's a little bit bigger nugget of credibility there. All right. So uh, let me put my my bullish hat right there. That's a cool cool. hat. So you remember we talked a couple weeks ago about teslatheater.com, which is a way to have full screen internet in your Tesla. Yes. Really good. They changed their name. It's Uh-oh. now a better theater.com, but oh. it appears to be a better theater. Um, there's some new options here. There's a whole music page. Um, there's a whole game page. 
And then they've changed up the options uh, for what you can see full screen. So I just thought we should let everyone know about that because it's been very popular. We've been getting a lot of emails about how people enjoy being able to do more stuff full screen on their on their screens. I extraordinarily agree. It's it's you know if you're parked and you're charging somewhere, it's a great chance to like go search for restaurants or hotels because you can actually use whatever it, it you know if you want to use Yelp, full screen Yelp. You want to use Google Maps full screen actual google maps where you get the businesses you can check out menus you can go to the you know places websites you know it doesn't matter what you're looking for whether it's museums or hospitals or airports i like a better rootplanner.com full screen it's really awesome for route planning absolutely so check this out this is tesla's new steering wheel patent they say the user interface of the steering wheel may additionally include indicators provided at a lower portion of the steering wheel indicative of a selected gear engagement of the vehicle that's just fancy words for you can see your gear selection on the steering wheel. That's right. cool. For example, the user interface may provide illuminated indications of engagement of park, reverse, neutral, or drive modes. Additionally or optionally, the steering wheel may include RFID detection and NFC activation functionality. Now, wait a minute. What What's that part? So the interesting part here with the RFID or the NFC to me speaks to being able to either take your Tesla credit card key to start the car, instead of putting it in that kind of weird spot where you wouldn't have thought that that's how you started the car, you put it on the steering wheel, okay. which makes a little bit more sense. And the NFC would be using your phone. Now, that could either be to unlock your car or it could be a confirmation to turn on your car in terms of the Tesla network. Oh, so ride sharing. So basically, I book a car with Tesla ride share. The car pulls up. I put my phone on the steering wheel. It now knows that it's Zach. And then I hop in behind the wheel and it drives me where I'm going to go. And maybe I still have to be the driver for a while as we get to level you know, five autonomy. Now, they say further, based on the gestures performed on and recognized by the user interface, the user may also receive feedback of the selections made with respect to the set or menu of controls. This interaction of the user may be manifested through gesture movements made directly on the user interface. For example, through proximity sensors, the user interface may sense that the user's digit is approaching a control manipulation functionality on the user interface, causing the user interface to provide feedback to the user. What the what kind of language is this? Yeah, it's uh, it's patent language. They okay, have to talk like this, otherwise, it's not going to be a legal. They can't okay. be like, "Hey, so this is what we're gonna do." You know, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. You have to use very nerdy to make sure the functionality sensors use the. You know, they okay, have to talk what, like that. What does it mean? Uh, it just means like you know when you're typing on your phone, yep. and your phone make just like vibrates just a little bit, yep. so it feels like you're pressing a button almost. Oh, haptic feedback. Haptic feedback. So that's what they're talking about there. That it's going to be giving you some cues that you're going to be doing something. And a lot of people are like, why? Why do we need this? We have thumb wheels already. You know, there are plenty of physical interactive uh, ways of interacting with your car. For anyone who's ever tried to clean their car before all the knobs and dials and switches, it's hard because, especially like if you think about that thumb wheel, you know, you <coughs> cough all over your hand and then you, you know, scroll the thumb wheel, somewhere in the back is where oh, your is all the coffee germs. germs are. So if someone came in there and did a quick, you know, it's not gonna clean anything. You know, Interesting. It, it's still gonna be kind of dirty. So the idea here could be that you're making the car a little bit easier to clean for when we have the Tesla network. Because there's no wheels or, or little lines or anything, it, everything's a nice flat surface. Kind of like with the touchscreen, 
clean. I also think it's to make things last longer. Uh, there's less moving parts, which means things are probably going to last a whole lot longer. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be one potential thing here. And it's important to keep in mind that it, the, a patent doesn't mean that they're going to make this. Right. Um, so if, if people are, like, super worried and they're going to start stockpiling, you know, Tesla steering wheels, you know, don't get too worried. Right. They patent a lot of things, and we don't necessarily see them all. Right. Uh, what I find interesting is that according to the patent application, two Tesla engineers designed the steering wheel. Felix Goddard, he's a former Taycan designer, and he designed the Model 3 steering wheel. He's now working for Lucid Motors. And Joris Aertz worked as an electrical engineer for six years, but he left about a year ago. Right. Um, Again, this is the innovation that Tesla is constantly doing. They're just freaking patenting so much stuff. Right. Which points to the fact that they've been developing this technology well in advance. Right. Like they've, they've already been working on this stuff and finally the patent you know went through. This next story is that Tesla has invented some kind of new aluminum. Well, it's a new aluminum alloy. Uh, basically, we're going to skip over most of the nitty gritty stuff. But the things that you want with aluminum are strength. Right. Obviously, it's metal and also conductivity. Oh, electrical uh, conductivity. OK. Right. Yep. Either electrical or thermal. And so most alloys either have a lot of strength and low conductivity or they have a lot of conductivity and low strength. Okay. And so what Tesla is looking to do is to make kind of not necessarily a compromise, but kind of the best of both worlds, having a strong and yet uh, conductive aluminum alloy that they can use in uh, manufacturing of motors. Again, I really like that Tesla is working on so many different facets, including material science and metals. You know, the Cybertruck's going to be made of some uh, type of stainless steel that we're not exactly sure what kind it is, uh, but they use it on spacecraft. Right. And now we're talking about a new type of aluminum alloy. Uh, you know, Tesla's working with different kinds of glass and transparent aluminum all sorts of really fun stuff at uh, a car company where you don't generally see that much innovation in material science. So the Model Y has achieved a 315-mile EPA range. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Tesla says, due to continued engineering progress of the Model Y all-wheel drive, we have been able to increase its maximum EPA range to 315 miles, compared to our previous estimate of 280 miles. This extends Model Y's lead as the most energy-efficient SUV in the world. And so you can see a comparison here. Wait, I thought the Kona had that. The Kona did with 120 MPGE, and the Model Y tops it with 121 just a little bit more efficient. This is great news. 315 miles is a fantastic range uh, for a car that's going to be a lot of people's primary car. You know what I love is that most car companies, they come out with the car and a year before it comes out, they tell you what the range is going to be and you're getting excited. And then it comes out and you learn that after it goes into the real world, the range is much lower. Right. right? But here with Tesla, we're being continually impressed to find out that it gets even better range than we thought. Yeah. No, I'm really, really impressed with that. Now, keep in mind that that's with the long range version of the Model Y. Not all Model Ys are going to have this. Um, but at the moment, those are the only ones you can order is long range and performance. Maybe we're going to be seeing, you know, the standard range or the standard range plus. Maybe we'll even see a mid range. Who knows? Hey, you want to go to a party at Elon's? Uh, wh What? Yeah, you want to go to party at Elon's house? He tweeted this out. He said, uh, Tesla will hold a super fun AI party slash hackathon at my house with the Tesla AI autopilot team in about four weeks. Invitations going out soon. So that's about three weeks from today. You got any plans? Uh, you want to move your calendar around at all? I don't know if I'm smart enough to go to this hackathon.
hackathon at Elon's house. Well, let's see. Viv asked, would absolutely fly in for this. Might not be super good at coding, but would love to create a highlight video showcasing all the fun and awesome stuff that goes down that evening, which will hopefully inspire others to join AI software development engineering. And Elon said, okay, sure. By the way, we recruit great engineers from almost anywhere in the world, so this shouldn't be thought of as USA only. Also, work location can be Bay Area preferred, but Austin, many of our chip designers are there, or potentially any Tesla Gigafactory. So yeah, we'll join Viv and uh, bring some cameras and some drinks and, uh, you know, whatever you need. I'm still too intimidated to go. I'll go. Um, And then Elon said, a PhD is definitely not required. All that matters is a deep understanding of AI and ability to implement NNs, which is neural networks, in a way that is actually useful. Latter point is what's truly hard. Don't care if you even graduated high school. So, I mean, this is a huge opportunity if you are uh, a programmer. And I got to say, this is so smart. A company, instead of being like, well, let's take the HR department and do four months of uh, hiring interviews. He just tweets out and he's going to immediately get probably some of the top people in the world. I, I do like that he stresses that like he doesn't care if you went to high school or not or if you have a college degree or a PhD. It doesn't matter. It's just what you can do with neural nets. Yep. Because there are people in the world who are doing very impressive things with neural nets who probably weren't even thinking for working for Tesla. According to new data from Bloomberg's NEF, Tesla currently makes up more than 60% of the US EV market. Check this chart out here. You can see that in pink down below, that's Tesla. And then in red, that's Model 3. So this year, Model 3 makes up half of the US EV market. Wow. And so the gray, that is EV competition, right. essentially. And so we don't get to see like growth or or decline in terms of all this, EVs. Right, it's just market share. Just market share. Wow. Yeah. Wowie, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, the thing I don't like here is this headline, without Tesla, the US EV market is faltering. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's pretty misleading in How terms of- Tesla is leading the way. <laughs> right, and, and I mean, Let's be honest here. It's gulping up the market because it is one of the better options in terms of EVs. It's not the perfect option. I just want to stress that. Some people don't quite get that point that if you want to buy an electric car, we should sit down and talk about which electric car is perfect for you. Nine times out of 10, if you can afford a Model 3, it's probably the car that's going to work for you. Um, But there are many other cases where it's like, I can't afford a Model 3. Okay, you should buy a used EV. And that it gets to an important point here, which is that all that gray space up there, and in fact, even the pink space, and in fact, even some of the Model 3 space there, are slowly but surely getting turned into used EVs. Yep. And the thing I like is that there's no parts left behind. Um, when there's ever an EV, like either a crash or an EV, you know, dies for whatever reason, the rest of the parts are immediately put onto the market, like on eBay, so that people who are doing conversions can use them. I mean, right. that's, they're valuable. They're super valuable right. and they don't, they're not, they're not bad parts. Right. Whereas with most cars, what we see is when a car gets to a certain age, you just scrap it. It's not worth, like no one wants to rip things apart. They're just like, eh, scrap it. Right. Even old leaf batteries that have lost a huge portion of their charge are still useful. Uh, what are you doing? We're, we're filming the show here. I'm just booking a ride share. A ride share? Where, where are we going? Uh, low Earth orbit. Excuse me? Yeah, I'm booking this on uh, SpaceX. What are you they, talking about? They have a new uh, they have a new small sat rideshare app, so you can uh, book your satellite to go into orbit. Wait, so you can go to their website right now? Yep. No matter who you are. Yep. And you can just book 
a spot on a Yeah, you tell launch. them when you'd like to launch, how heavy it's going to be, what your requirements are, and then it gives you an estimated price. It takes a deposit, and then you're booked for your flight to put your satellite onto a SpaceX rocket. And the cool thing here is the average cost to launch a satellite into space is about $10 million. It can range anywhere from, you know, $10 million up to $200 million. But for small satellites, the average is about $10 million. Well, the cool thing here is that SpaceX is only charging as little as a million dollars to launch a satellite into space. That is a reduction factor of 10x. So what do you do after you um, <laughs> after you give all the information and you... Uh, so you put a deposit, you said? Yeah, you put down a deposit. What's the deposit? Uh, the one I saw was $5,000. Okay. And then you, I assume, give, you give some them your credentials. contact information. And they okay. contact you. And I'm then sure I assume they get... they, they con- they're like, okay. I'm, I'm sure there's more forms. Yeah. There's, some, there's more things that happen after that. We yeah. just don't have any satellites that we need to put in orbit right, right now. Or a million dollars laying around. Yet. Yeah. All right. It's time for our video contributor stories. And uh, we've got a story here from Daryl. Here it is. Hey, Zach and Jesse. This is Daryl from Digital Sense. I'm a huge fan of the show and wanted to share how I'm trying to contribute in reducing my carbon footprint. While I'm not 100% on renewable energy yet, I am trying to take the steps in the right direction. I recently purchased a used 2018 Model S 75D. It was a great deal and I couldn't pass it up. And after a long six months of waiting, Tesla Energy finally installed my solar. Not all their fault though. Most of the wait was due to utility company approving their plans. They showed up around 9.30 in the morning and was done by noon. Great group of guys. They were willing to answer all my questions and let me take all the footage that I wanted. I did not purchase any power walls due to never having a power outage and the great net metering program we have here in Colorado Springs. I was able to have my system produce about 120% of my average usage. I'm excited to use clean energy from the sun to fill up my Tesla. There's nothing better than knowing then you have a full charge when you wake up in the morning to start your day, especially in these winter months. I surely won't miss pumping gas in the cold. If anyone is trying to reduce their carbon footprint, any little helps. You don't have to go all in to make a difference. If we all take little steps, we can make a large contribution. Well, thanks for letting me share my story. But until next time, and now, you know. All right, it's time now for the Patreon bonus stories. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's where we have... A bunch more stories that we really can't show on this program because uh, we're either using uh, video footage that uh, doesn't really belong to us. We can't monetize it, um, but we still want to show it. So we're showing it to our patrons. And, and we got pretty much an entire – like we've got almost like 10 stories. Yeah. And uh, they're all really fun to talk about, and uh, we wish that you were there watching. So head over to patreon.com slash now you know and uh, join us. We're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time for our Patreon shoutouts. These are people that support us for $5 or more a month, and they help make the show a reality. Who do we got this week? We have Denise Barnes. Jason Bernstein. Lance Pickup. Simon. Daniel Zajik. Dennis Petrov. A. Richner. Carolyn Leng. Dan. Calvin Troyer. James Aspinwall. Christopher Erickson. Dan Webster. And Mitch Sayers. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We can't do this show without you. All right, it's time for Elon's Tweets of the Week, and boy, was he busy this week. Yes. Here's one from Tesla owner Silicon Valley. Can we get the side cameras to show up when backing up? And Elon said yes. I love when he says yes. That's Thank you, Elon. Thank you. I mean, we don't have the feature yet, <laughs> but I'm sure you're working on it. Uh, this one from Viv. 
3D labeling is the next big thing where the car can go through a scene with eight cameras and paint a path, then label the path in 3D. This is probably a two or three orders of magnitude improvement in labeling efficiency and accuracy. This is a quote from the podcast that they did with Third Row Tesla. Reto said, is it possible that Tesla will be able to create a micro map of every road with all the details, stop signs, potholes, etc., that can be used by other Teslas when they drive along the same road? And Elon said, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Great. And then Elon said, going max hardcore on design production Starship here in Boca. It's awesome. Feels a bit like a Mars simulator. Thank thank you very much for that as well, too. I'm so mad that no one else is like, we're going to Mars. Here we go. Take a look. Uh, We're going to tweet about it. Like, I. NASA's like, oh, we're going to go. Someday. We're going. We're working on it. Here Maybe we go. We should just, we're working on a plan. We'd like to have Boeing do it first. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse works for NASA, apparently. Elon said Tesla will soon have over a million connected vehicles worldwide with sensors and compute needed for full self-driving, which is orders of magnitude more than everyone else combined, giving you the best possible data set to work with. Everyday Astronaut said, what's the solution for when cameras get obfuscated? Living in snowy climates, the cameras get blocked within a few minutes of driving. Lasers? Tiny wipers? Robots on every street corner to wipe them for you? And Elon said, tiny robots with lasers, which is just, I know that he's just- That is the name of my mobile DJ service. Tiny robots with lasers. Um, It just sounds a little too um, Rick and Morty. Sounds like, great. What is your purpose? You know, what is my purpose? <laughs> to you, clean off the lens. You, you shoot lasers at the <laughs> at the lights and sensors. I love it. It would just be like, here, tiny robot, go clean off the lenses. So I mean, is this gonna be? Is this gonna be like a droid? Like, are you gonna have like a little R two D two? Yeah, zipping all over your car. Maybe it's a drone. Sasha Baron Cohen said, "We don't let one person control the water for two and a half billion people. We don't let one person control electricity for two and a half billion people. Why do we let one man control the information seen by two and a half billion people? Facebook needs to be regulated by governments, not ruled by an emperor." And Elon said, "Delete Facebook. It's lame. Yeah. I know that we have like a Facebook page. I don't. We don't support Facebook in that way. I guess we are somehow because you're." looking at ads but you i guess i guess you'd be on there anyway looking at ads put an ad blocker on i agree with elon there good all right it's time for community mail time community mail time and first we've got some candy from sweden finally finally i have been eyeing this candy this is the entire show from our buddy sven and this is bilar (laughs) el el bilar il il bilar el bilar il bilar it is and electric cars, Yep. but they're little sour gummies. Yeah, take a look at that. They're really good. They're good. They're yeah. different than, you might be thinking like, I know what they taste like. You, you don't. You know what? I think you should comment below if you want the uh, blar and uh, tell us why you want it and the winner will, will send you the bag. So our buddy Lewis reached out to us. Uh, he went to Fully Charged Live, mm-hmm. and uh, he said he just wanted to share this experience with, with us. He said, I have a Model 3 and have a reservation for a Cybertruck, but my wife's lease will expire in two months, so I decided to look into alternatives and contacted the guys at the Bolt EV stand. I kind of like the car just to have it until I get my Cybertruck. So they took all my info. They gave me a nice gift. But here's what I received from the local dealer. Quote, We currently don't have the 2020 Chevrolet Bolt, but we have the 2019 Malibu, and it's available. I mean, I know this is... You know what I say to that? (laughs) Blar. The Malibu is the same as the Bolt. This is the problem with GM. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. What's the problem? It's that 
you know, they did this thing and clearly they got some emails and then they did a whole bunch of work where they had to like, okay, this guy lives here. Let's send uh, a notification to the local dealer. And then the local dealer went, great, this guy wants a Chevy. Well, we don't got that stupid thing, but we got a Malibu. So Paul sent us this new feature that he found uh, in 2020.4.1. So if you have hardware 2.5 or hardware 3, you might be able to do this. Okay, learn something new here on the Model 3. Let's double tap this. And it brings up this screen, Auto Park. We want to go forward, even though garage door is closed. Let's see if it opens it. Okay, please don't hit my garage door. It's opening up the garage door. Let's see how well this works. How close are we? Ooh. Oh, it's got plenty of room. It's a little too close, but that's okay. And watch, it should close the garage door too when it's done. Oh my gosh, it's closing the garage door. Incredible, I gotta stop it now because the, uh, and it locks itself, of course. So the cool part is, you don't need your Tesla app or your phone to make this work, Yeah. right? You just put your car in park, you double tap on the park button, you select forward or back from the console, and the car does the rest. Right, so I tried this out, it didn't work at first because I had, um, basically you have to go to the autopilot settings, then you have to go to customize summon, and then there's basically a hold button to summon. You have to turn that off. Now, I just want to recommend that you don't do that. Right. Here's why. Paul was trusting that his car wouldn't hit his garage or himself. Really, at that point, there's no button you can hit to stop your car. I'm pretty sure that if you open the door, that would do that, but again, the car is moving. Right. The thing that I like about summon with the phone is the dead man switch function, which just means that if, for whatever reason, you let go of the button, it will stop summoning. So right. it's good for, like, hostage negotiations where you're like, nobody move! The car is moving, I guess. So the car can move. But if anyone shoots me, the car will stop moving. So if that's, that's what you don't want to have happen... That's not going to work It's like hostage. a much lamer version of, of the movie it, Speed. It would be great to have a movie where that was the hostage negotiation. But yeah, it is a cool feature. Yeah. Thank you, Paul, for sending us that. Now, yeah. what is this? This is a roadster with a bike rack. So Greg spotted this in downtown Walnut Creek, California. It seems like uh, an oxymoron, a, a roadster with a bike rack. What? Like, I mean, come on. They, they want to have fun zipping around in their roadster, and then I've... they want to get off. No, I guess and you're And they right. want to ride their bike. I just didn't know you could... could... have been an e-bike. The guy's probably going for a ride right now. Wow. So Philip shared this video of a truck powered by compressed natural gas or clean natural gas. Now, I just want to remind everybody that natural gas is not clean. No. It contains all sorts of horrible chemicals that enter our atmosphere when burned, and it is a greenhouse gas. Natural gas releases half as much CO2 as coal when combusted, and methane, which is 87 times more powerful 
a greenhouse gas than CO2, is released from the well to the pipeline to the power plant. So when you get natural gas out of the ground, it is not good for the environment. In the U.S., the gas industry as a whole was responsible for more emissions than coal last year for the first time, and that's according to Bloomberg New Energy. So... Uh, I don't. We don't like natural gas. No, nope. natural gas is not the solution. Yep. It is not the halfway ha- uh, house between fossil fuels and uh, our our clean renewable future. It's a it's a lie. It's a scam. Because yes, burning the natural gas produces a little bit less CO two than coal, but we're just leaking a natural gas all over the place, right. which is way worse. For uh, our atmosphere, exactly, in terms of climate change. All right, it's time for our on-air question, and Arlene asks this. Speculation. The OEMs have steadfastly ignored, to a great degree, the problem of long-range driving and charging. Their behavior has thus far been one of not my problem, but it is if they want to sell long-range vehicles competitive with Tesla. The VW settlement is a nat size solution compared to the size of the problem. Tesla chargers are overwhelmed in many areas. Are we going to evolve to a one-sided solution set where only Tesla succeeds in long-range travel? What creates an alternative and functionally useful charging network? First of all, really well put. Very well put. Um, Yeah, I mean, when we're talking about Electrify America, it is good. But it's very nuanced when I say good. It's, It's like, I'm really glad that those chargers are there. It's, it's extraordinarily helpful for people who need to charge their car with DC fast charging. It's one of the only charging networks around that's actually going to uh, work for most people. I understand the idea that individual car manufacturers making their own charging networks is not a great solution. I think that something like something like Electrify America, a little bit smarter, a little bit bigger, a little bit more widespread could be a good start i think in the short run the answer is that tesla has the only solution that's the short run so the next few years Mm -hmm. i think eventually it'll be like gas stations they'll pop up everywhere everyone will realize that it's useful to have them if you want to draw customers in and so when it goes to that level where it's just private charging stations then i think that we're going to be fine it's just this middle ground where i think if, if it were going to be happening, we would have heard about it. We would have heard that, you know, Ford and GM and all these companies, but they're not. They're just saying, oh, we're we're in a consortium and we're doing our best. <laughs> right. It You're right. And it doesn't – It they only want to do the bare bones minimum because they just want you to buy the car. Right. That's it. Just, oh, 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 you want to charge? You want to go long distance? Yeah, look at this map. See? Coverage. You got coverage. It, it, it does. It's not convenient coverage, but we got coverage. I. You're right. I think in the future we're going to see um, more – uh, shopping centers. There's so many opportunities here. Yeah. If they saw it as an opportunity, they would get into this business and say, hey, this is a way to lure customers over, but they don't. Right. Because, again, if, if – and I've, I've done this before where I went to a supermarket well out of my way because they had fast charging. Right. And I went there. I walked in every single t- time because what am I going to do? Sit there for half an hour in my car? Right. Although now that I have a Tesla, <laughs> I kind of will because I got Netflix. All right, it's time for the results of our poll, and uh, we asked the same question Elon did. How do you feel about Giga Texas? And we got slightly more positive results than Elon did. Makes sense. We didn't ask all of Twitter. We just asked our wonderful patrons. Um, So most of them said that they wanted to see. 90% said, hell yeah. Texas. All right, it's time for our Supercharger Reviews, and this is sponsored by our friends at Evanex. If you're looking for awesome accessories for your Tesla, you should go check out Evanex and use our discount code to save you even more. Link is in the description. 
Hello, Zach and Jesse. This is Isaiah reporting from Staples, Minnesota at the Timberlake Hotel on the Tesla Destination Chargers. There are two Destination Chargers here, which are free regardless if you stay at the hotel or not. Sharing the same parking lot is the Timbers Restaurant, but if you're in the mood for fast food, there is a Dairy Queen across the street and a Subway located at the gas station also across the street. Hello, I'm at the 8-stall Supercharger in Albert Lee, Minnesota. It's at the Petro truck stop. It's in an overflow parking area, which is nice because you're a really short walk to the travel center, but you're also a little bit separated, so there isn't a lot of traffic coming around back and forth around you. Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Josh. I'm in Chicago on my way from Calgary to uh, Ontario for Christmas, and we used a better route planner, and it suggested that we try the supercharger on Grand Avenue. Now we couldn't find it anywhere. It turns out it's the spot behind the Tesla dealership here. Now it says on the signs, please do not use this for public consumption. And we wouldn't have except that we only had about one mile left in our tank when we got here. So we are topping up here. Um, but I'll give you a quick review. Uh, it was pretty easy to find. Um, it leaves something to be desired in terms of aesthetics and in terms of amenities that are around. Um, there is some amazing wildlife. We have seen quite a few rats running up and down this alleyway. So if you don't mind that this is a little bit dodgy, it's probably the best option for you in Chicago. Hey Zach and Jesse, it's Joel Cook here and I'm at the Cottingtown Mall in uh, northern Santa Rosa, California. And when I was a little boy, my mom used to drag me to this mall when she went dress shopping and I almost died of boredom. Um, but things have gotten much better in the last 40 years, especially recently with the addition of this. Yep, the brand new 20 stall supercharger location uh, serving this uh, part of Sonoma County. Beautiful wine country. And uh, it's a great location right off the freeway 101. Well, thank you for those reviews. I love it how you guys go out there every week and bring back more reviews. And there's more superchargers, so uh, you got to keep doing it. Here we go. What do we got for new superchargers this week? We have the 10-stall, 250-kilowatt supercharger in Madison, northbound Connecticut. And southbound in Connecticut, we got another one, 10-stall, 250-kilowatts. Woo! We have the 8-stall level 3 supercharger in Miami, southwest 24th Street in Florida. We have the 16-stall, 250-kilowatt in Scotts Valley, California. We have the 8-stall, 150-kilowatt supercharger in Chicoutimi, Quebec, Canada. We have the 24-stall urban supercharger in Buena Park, Beach Boulevard, California. The 8-stall, 250-kilowatt supercharger in Lynchburg, Virginia. The 8-stall, 250-kilowatt in Ocean City, Maryland. Hey, we stopped there. The 8-stall, 150-kilowatt supercharger in Grove City, Pennsylvania. The 8-stall, 250-kilowatt in Idaho Springs, Colorado. The 8-stall, level 3 in Madison, Virginia. And number 770 in the USA, 1788 in the world, the 8-stall, level 3, in Chiktagawa, New York. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and almost all in the U.S. and in Canada. Wow. All right, it's time for our Patreon giveaway. Now, to get yourself into this big basket of fun, you got to be a Patreon. And the more you support us, the more times we answer you in. And we're going to be giving away an EcoWare t-shirt, which is designed with solar energy. It's completely carbon offset. And when you buy a tea, we plant a tree. All right. Who's and our winner, Jess? The winner this week is Terrence Sullivan. Congratulations, Terrence. You got yourself an EcoWare t-shirt. Thank you for supporting us on Patreon. And you made it to the end of the show. 
Congratulations. And hey, we made it to the end of the show. So congratulations to us yeah. too. Now, um, we've been talking a little bit at the end of uh, some of these Tesla Time news about uh, Masterclass. Yeah. Some of you have uh, signed up. So let us know what you think of it because we know that you signed up. We don't know who you are. but uh, So they added new people. Yeah, Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein, who I didn't hadn't heard of before, but they're the guys who came up with like the Got Milk ad. They're they're ad execs, and I was like, ad execs. But the cool thing is, these guys are all about creativity. They're gonna talk to you, and I've taken a bunch of classes with them already about creativity. And just in the first couple of classes, I was just like, oh, like it just you just start getting positive vibes and ideas. I see. So if you started watching Mad Men thinking that you were going to see a lot about advertising and you were sorely disappointed when it was a mostly in business 1960s kind of drama. Right. Um, well, what's really cool is you get to hear about how people got their start, which I find always fascinating. Um, it's like a biography, right? You get to hear how, you know, things, the twists and turns and the things that were important. And there's so many life lessons from other people's lives. So that, first of all, is huge. Right. Um, but then I was thinking as I was watching it, you might be watching right now and going, well, I'm not interested in advertising or I'm not interested in basketball or one of the things that Masterclass has. But I bet you know someone who is. Right. I bet you know someone who would love some cooking classes. And you know or what? Some acting classes. <laughs> and they are going to be someone who is hard to shop for. Yeah. So if you're looking for gifts, maybe even Valentine's Day. Yeah. I mean, it's coming up. Think about it. It's a possibility. Something that you can both watch together. It's very, like, non-offensive. You know, it's like... Oh, you don't want to learn about writing? We'll learn about photography or we'll learn about something else. And it's not an appliance. It doesn't have a plug, so therefore it's not officially an appliance. And you so don't you have can't to get in trouble for that. I think. I'm not positive. Is this coming from experience? <laughs> yes. So don't be get very appliances? careful of appliances. Some people don't like appliances. Okay. Even though I think they're awesome. That is some good advice. But yeah, I mean, going back to the people getting their start thing, really interesting how it's never how you expect. It's yeah. never like, well, I graduated from college and then I got a job and now I'm famous. Right. It, it's never that way. They're always nope. like, ah, I was driving across the country and my buddy called me up and he was like, hey, Dave, you got to get over here. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to go to Niagara Falls. And I was like, man, all right, you know, I'm going to, I turned around and then I got mugged and then I showed up at the place and I was all bloody and then and then the guy gave me a job and now i'm famous like it's always like wow that sounds like you were definitely not going to get the job or whatever it is you were trying to accomplish and then it worked yeah and i love that because it's like we've been taught in schools and i've recent experience of this where they're just like your resume has to be perfect Mm -hmm. you have to be well dressed when you show up um and then you're like okay but then how do i stand out it's like don't stand out Mm -hmm. the people who stand out aren't going to get jobs and it's the complete wrong example because one time my teacher slipped and she was like one time i was working for hr and a kid came in for his interview with a cape on (laughs) and we were like this is gonna be good and then she's like and then he got the job and we're like what because that's how he stood out right and it's like oh so that's what, how you did you call succeed. her out on that? Oh yeah, we made fun of her up and down. She's like, "Oh, I wish I didn't tell you." And it's like, "Thank you for telling us." She was gonna hide that from. She's you? gonna hide the fact that the one kid who got the job was wearing a cape. That's I would never have the guts to wear the. cape. I mean, of that course, I'm not gonna wear the cape. I wore wow. a bow tie. It worked, cool. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. It's, it's really interesting to see all these people who are just like, of course I know who this person is. Mm-hmm. At one point in their life, 
Nobody knew who they were. Right. And they were either looking for a job or trying to make something work. And hearing that story from them, from the, the perspective of like, and now I'm super rich and famous and successful, is really, really interesting, especially to hear it over and over and over again. Right. I just find that fascinating. Yeah. The more, the, the more of these that we watch, the more you start to pick up on that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Masterclass, there's a link down below. It helps support the show. It really, a lot. It helps support the show a lot. I know you might be saying like, this is an expensive either gift or gift to myself, um, but you are supporting the show quite a bit when you right. do that. So, uh, yeah. Go check it Go out. Go check it out. You know, get yourself a year, watch them. It, it's fun. And thank you for watching the show. We'll see you next week. We're always here. Absolutely. Don't worry about it. And uh, now, now you know. know.